I'm marking an eight. Smokey, my friend. You're entering a world of pain, Walter. Yeah. You mark that frame an eight, you're entering a world of pain. I'm not. A world of pain. Look, dude, I'm... this is your partner. Is the whole world gone crazy? Am I the only one around here who gives a shit about the rules? Mark it zero. They're calling the cops, man. Put the piece away. Mark it zero. Walter, put the piece away. Walter? You think I'm fucking around here? Mark it zero. All right, it's fucking zero. You happy, you crazy fuck? Fully game smoke. You can't do that, man. These guys, you know, they're like me. They're pacifists. Smokey was a conscientious objector. You know, dude, I myself dabbled in pacifism at one point. This is Gutterballs. The Lebowski Deepcast. Oh, it's a heist movie. No, it's a stoner movie. In each episode, Brad and Adam discuss a single minute of The Big Lebowski. Welcome to Incest in Space. Providing insight. He's making a ransom letter on his table to swindle money. Commentary. Got my half and half. In the bowling ball, I'm going home. And conjecture. His brother is River Phoenix. <laughs> Are they related to Rivers Cuomo? That's one for the canon of the history of film. And now, Gutterballs. Hello, Adam. Hello, Brad. How are you? I'm all right. How are you doing? I'm I'm great. I'm great, Brad. Thank thanks for asking. That's great, Adam. That's great. So this great. is episode 19. 19. We're almost to 20. Bulk of the first act, at least. Well, let's not get started on when the, <laughs> when the acts are here. I mean, it's only one act, right? If we're going to listen to you. It doesn't even have acts. They don't believe in acts. I don't know if I said that. Did I, <laughs> did I say that? You said you hated acts and you never wanted to talk about it again. We can oh, go I, back, I, man. We'll, I'll bring it up. So what are the choices again for when the act ends? My contention was the act, the first act ends, um, well, I don't remember what I chose, actually. Here's some choices. Right after his rug gets peed on, right after he takes the new rug from the titular Lebowski's home, and possibly a third as yet unbeknownst time, I'm not, which I'm not sure what that one would be. I don't think we've revisited since then. Well, I think it all hinges on what the inciting incident would be. Which we could never come to an agreement about. No. I think we might need to have a playwright expert to resolve this. Who's that? Who is that there? I thought Who is, that was you. No, who's talking? I hear some... That's not you both times, is it, Brad? Is no, there someone else on the... There is. I brought a playwright, a playbill, a playwright in. Oh, who is, who is playwright. this playwright-stress? This is Christine. Say hi, Christine. Hello there. Why don't you introduce yourself? I'm apparently a playbill named Christine. That'll do it. Okay. Let's move forward. Let's let's. We I don't, don't need to look get backwards. No, Although we don't want to. We do have a couple things we should probably revisit actually before I, we. 
Yeah, I do want to look backwards a little bit. I just don't want to look backwards to that. Um, I want to look backwards to... This is no big deal. It's just... It occurred to me that... Thank you, Wilson. That's helpful. I don't know. All these... So today, the Snowquester is coming, and all the animals are going crazy! I saw four flocks of geese today flying all, no, all of them flying north, and then a singular goose flew right above my head in the parking lot of the grocery store, like 15 feet in the air. Like I've never seen a goose flying that low, let alone by itself. And like all crazy, like wings flapping, like honking. That's what you call it, right? They honk. I believe so. Like the only time I've seen them that low to the ground is if they're landing. Like they'll do a landing in a pond or something. Well, maybe he was going for a landing. How there's there's no water anywhere near where I was. So geese only land on water? He's not going to land in the parking lot of a major metropolitan supermarket. He just wasn't in landing mode. He wasn't, he was just kind of like... The, gear, the gears were not down. Mm-mm, not really. No, feet were back. And he was crazy. Now the dog's barking, and I think they sense there's a storm coming or something. It's making them freak out. I can sense when storms come. Yeah, your knee balloons up and looks like a watermelon. Exactly, and so, does my, so do my eyes. <laughs> right, it's off-putting, to say the least. Where, where are we going? What the well, hell? we're going to revisit a few things. Oh, I wanted to revisit. Okay, the dude feels up the titular Lebowski's trophies, then he feels up his trophy wife. That's true. That's There's all. A little action there. Well, he, yeah, he feels up her foot without a doubt. Yeah, feels up the foot. So he feels up two of, two of his trophies, basically. He's fingering the hole, and then he's fingering the foot. It's very risque. Trophies are there for grabbing. If not to be in, grabbed. In, in Lebowski's world. Yeah, they're There's not just... Theme. Not just for looking at anymore. Trophies. There's a crescendo of sound between minute 17 and 18. Um, this is after... It's... Um, So Which this is from be. the transition from the, well, no, that wouldn't be between those minutes. You don't mean when we transition from, like, the veranda to the bowling alley, or do you? No, that is what I'm, I put between 17 and 18, but it's, it's that midway mark. I just wanted right. to point out that, like, the sound gets louder, and then the bowling alley just, like, crashes in. Just right. as Donnie is throwing his strike, ba blam, and it's one of those mental sort of palate cleansers that keys you in. Okay, we're changing, changing gears here. It's another. I'm just giving a shout out. Nice sound design. Nice, uh, good form. Yeah, it's just, an excellent transition. Yeah, it knocks you back into paying attention, if nothing right. else. Right. Out right. of your complacency. Mm-hmm. You're out by the poolside, somewhat complacent. 
Yeah, Esquivel's on, fingering trophies. And uh, yeah, then we're just, boom, Donnie hoots. There's a nice crash of ball hitting pins, music and the it all comes crashing in. But they physically make it louder too. And then they kind of bring it down. That's good, just all around. I have written nice transition, environmentally, audially, tonally, velocity, all of the T's. Um, that's all the revisiting I think that I had to talk about. Do you have anything else? Well, you mentioned something else about the dog growling, which oh. I'm really curious about. Oh, yes. Is, is that a revisit? Or is that in this current? It's not in... Well, you have it marked as time code 1643, which is not now. That's right. That is a revisit. So, it's really... It's really strange. And it starts to weird you out pretty big time if you listen to it. Especially with headphones on. Walter comes into the bowling alley and he joins the dude and Donnie, whose league match apparently is already in progress. He's 20 minutes late. Assuming it's because he had to go pick up this stupid dog. He had to pick up Thurston. Right. We, we could make that assumption, possibly. Um, and he lets Thurston out, and Thurston starts, you know, being, uh, being a dog. But they're putting little dog sounds in there. Like sometimes he'll be <laughs> he'll be panting, he'll be making little like like half whining noises. Obviously he barks a lot. But the initial like it's not growling, it's like like groaning almost, like dog dog groanings, dog grunts, dog grunts. They're just a person going like this. This is a person. I have to hear this. So I have this queued up. This is now going to play. What the fuck are you talking about, man? The carrier. What's in the fucking carrier? Talking about, man, the carrier. What's in the fucking carrier? What's in the fucking here? What's in the fucking here? What's in the fucking here? What's in the fucking Pomeranian bowling? Pomeranian bowling? A fucking Pomeranian bowling? Oh my goodness. Isn't that weird? <laughs> That's so weird. <laughs> but because up to that point, the dog sounds had all been pretty authentic. Right, like when I first started, I was like, oh, Adam's full of it. Yeah, These Adam's like crazy, perfect right. Dog perfect sounds. dog sounds. And then all of a sudden, you hear <laughs> a guy going, Right, just a guy going, Maybe he ran out of dog sounds and he had to, All right, hey, Stu, can you come in here? You got a dog-like voice. We got to record some extra dog noises. All right, man, let's get this over with. Does that sound like a dog? I don't know. What the hell? All right, I gotta hear that one I more time. I was gonna time. say, let me hear that. Talking again. about man, the carrier. What's in the fucking carrier? <laughs> Why is that in there? Why is that in the movie? <laughs> it can't be laziness. Is it just to be, just to like freak people out because they know a, like a certain this movie appeals to a certain audience? 
But like you never even know. I don't know. Like I've watched it countless times, and it's you know you don't know it's there unless you're really paying attention. It's like a space or if ghost you were moment. possibly in an altered state, you might. Right. It's like a space might, ghost moment. Right. Right. It, it is a very good way to describe it. It's a space ghost moment. Release the taco. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Release the taco. <laughs> right. Of course, Space Ghost would have a taco on hand. That but I, I, I just, uh, and I I did the thing again, I just listened to it like right. five times without, I just closed my eyes. Just yeah. didn't Does look at it. I mean, maybe, what kind of a dog is this again? It's not a Pomeranian. Yorkshire Terrier. Yorkshire Terrier. I don't know. Maybe Yorkshire Terriers sometimes sound like that. Like humans? Like, if you go on YouTube, you're going to find, like, oh, you know, montage of Yorkshire Terriers sounding like a human mumbling. They Check probably, it out. It's crazy. Right. They probably mash them up and, like, make them sing songs. Exactly. You know? But you, so it's actually a recording of a Yorkshire Terrier. I grew up next door to a Yorkshire Terrier, and I never heard it make that sound. Well, maybe, you know, just like in the movie, you have to be really paying attention. You just always thought there was a, someone around mumbling. You never realized it was the dog. <laughs> right. You just and thought it was like your neighbor going... <laughs> did you ever take it to a bowling alley? Or I did, never did you ever that. interact with it in a bowling alley that, that setting? That could be the key. That could be the key. Yeah, that could be part of it. Environment, you know, nature versus nurture. It's a big part of things. Yorkshire Terrier man sounds. I don't know. Let's see what happens. <laughs> Yorkshire ter Terriers silent screams and other odd sounds. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm clicking on it, I guess. I just, I can't. I don't. There's we're just, no we're breaking the rules. Yeah, here. come on. I'm not doing so, this. Get out of here. One more thing I have to revisit. All right. And this is only just revisiting from last episode. Okay. But, you know, Walter, again, we talked about, you know, there's the iconic line of him. Over the line. Exactly. If his line, over the line. Mm-hmm. Over lots, the line! Lots of lines. And it's just a, there's a trend there that I think we failed to notice that Walter really has a thing about going over lines. Yeah, he likes things to be clearly delineated. You must draw a line in the sand past it you do not cross, right? Right. Over the line. It's all about lines and making sure you do not go over them in Walter's world. I think in Walter's world, it's everything is black and white. Yeah. There's no gray areas. Right. For a man with Walter's experience, those lines would make him feel very safe. I'd agree with that. There's a reason he... Hyper focuses on them so much, and that, well, because a line is a form of a rule. You know, it's a it's a rule, like ruled paper. Ruled paper, right? It's literally Eight a inch you, rule. You don't. Hey, can you underline that word in graphic design? You know, it's like put a rule under it. Because we know Walter has a thing for rules as well. He's about to lose his shit at Smokey because Smokey is not caring about the rules. Right. Am I the only one who gives a shit about the rules? And later, when he's bracing the nihilists out in the parking lot, 
he has to explain to them how a ransom works. They don't have a hostage, so there is no ransom. That's how a ransom works. Those are the, are rules. the rules. Yes. Yes. Am I the only one driven. that cares about the rules? So that's not really revit. I mean, that's happening this minute. Right. The rules go all the way into this minute. Yes. Yeah. So let's begin now. All right. The formal but, discussion of this minute. Da 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 da. He's got a 1911. That's the firearm he's got. He walks in, lets the dog out, screams at Smokey, gets in the little altercation, pulls out a pistol in the bowling alley. Yes. It is a 1911. So named for its date of creation. That was the first time it was released. It was 1911. The 1911 is significant, so I've heard, because it was the first, I have to confirm this, but I'm, it was the first pistol that had um, a clip as opposed to a revolver, where the, it spins right. around, you fi fire off your five to seven rounds or whatever. This had a clip, so it's semi-automatic. Bam, 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 you just pull the trigger and the shells feed up from the clip. It occurs to me, as I'm hearing of this gun, which was designed in 1911, yet in a movie made in 1998, does not seem in any way out of place. That's weird, huh? Yeah. Well, it makes me think, this is just a total tangent, but it makes me think of kind of similar to cameras. Because you can get some old cameras that take better pictures than, like, most anything you'll find today. Yeah, Hasselblad or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, when we've talked before about film versus digital, right, you can get some amazing stuff with film that digital is not even capable of. Right. I mean, digital has its own strengths as well. It does. But, you know, same thing with the gun. I mean, that gun, that'll kill or maim someone just as well today as it will in 1911. Yeah. Like, some things are timeless. Right. The like ability... you can take that gun... To kill or maim has not... <laughs> right. Like, hasn't metal... Hasn't been diluted. Will... High, going and traveling at a high velocity will cut through flesh, probably, I was willing to guess, at any time. Yeah, it nine times matter. out of ten. Eight to nine times yes. out of ten. But, like, you, we, you know, we could probably go forward from 1998 to 2098, and it's still okay, you know? Not just that. It would that, still though. be a quality firearm. Yeah, I it's, guess. but like visually, it just looks like this is a gun. You know, I'm pulling out my gun. It doesn't look dated. It just right. looks like a gun. I've got my my handgun. Right. Well, is the reverse of that true? That in not, maybe in like in 1911, that gun looked super futuristic. That could it be. It looked like something from like what we would call today like Buck Rogers. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was a blaster. Exactly. Han Solo's wielding it. What is this crazy thing? It probably did seem crazy. It was the first, if in fact it was the first, magazine-fed, recoil-operated handgun. And it was standard issue 
for the military for 74 years. Well, there we go. What piece of technology sticks around for 74 years? Right, in the 20th century, no less. I see here... Like that gun, they were using that like before there were airplanes. Right. And they were still using it after we'd sent men to the moon. Right. They barely had cars when they started using this gun. There were barely cars. And they were using it, yeah, the year uh, the Challenger exploded, still. The year Back to the Future came out. It's basically how I reference time, any timeline. Okay, before or after Back to the Future, and then if it was before, how long before, if it's after, how long after. Back to the Future is the reference point for all. And I bring that up because I wanted to mention some of the sound work they've done. So we started with Thurston and his human-like grumblings. <laughs> right. Moving on, and I'm just flipping around the minute, and I don't care. We, we cut after the altercation, Smokey Marks at zero, it's a league game. They go outside, and it's the dude and Walter, and they're walking out to his car. I linked to an article here. It's called The Art of Foley. Mm -hmm. um, it's yes. on creativecow.net, and it's, it's great because there's a picture of the author of the article, and then right below it is that great, it's a freeze frame from Back to the Future where Marty is standing in front of the giant, ridiculously large amp, and he's just plugged his ridiculously tiny guitar into it. And he's turned up all the dials and knobs, and he's about to get blown back by the uh, feedback that's going to emit from that thing. Right. But that all those sound effects, I remember the sound being very organic. Like, he's turning oh, yeah. the dials up, and it's like... Click, the, click, click. Yeah, click, 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 and the needles are, like, all jumping up to, like, you know, 100 all the way to the side. You can actually hear the needle, like clink like kind of hit the glass and all of those sounds were foley which means on a sound stage the foley artist just he has all this stuff that he just uses he created those sounds by putting a microphone near different objects and like manipulating the objects to create all of these great sounds that wasn't even the best part though the best part of the article was and I, I have it quoted here. I'm just going to read it. Interestingly enough, the most difficult thing to do that looks the easiest are footsteps. Unlike having a police officer from down the alley running to us, we may be running on a square of concrete that's six feet by six feet. Yet we need to make it sound acoustically like someone who runs from far away and then past us. We use a lot of tricks to do that. We run into coffee grounds the universal quote-unquote dirty sound that creates a grittiness when we run on concrete. I'd start off microphone, run towards the mic, and when the character is closest on screen, run into the coffee grounds and then out of it. To do all that isn't an easy task, and we do that for every cue, every footstep you see. Hmm. So there's someone with... Uh, and thing about footsteps is once it's three people it 
becomes easier because you could just like three or 20, it doesn't matter. At that point, it's you can't, Right. there's no discernible difference. It's just a cacophony of steps. A cacophony of steps. But two, it's like there's a very different cadence to the steps. Walter's bigger, he's wearing different shoes. You can definitely tell the difference between, you know, whose footsteps are who. So there was a guy walking on concrete, and if you listen really closely, you can hear as they start to get closer, like the footstep gets a little grittier. So I believe he was walking on some coffee grounds to record these footsteps. That is insane that that's what they do. Isn't it? So he, what, he slowly, like you, you move onto more coffee grounds to make it sound closer. Right, exactly. And it's subtle, but I'm pretty sure it's there. And it's coffee grounds. It's not pencil shavings or sand, you know? Coffee grounds, Cause, probably because they break apart a little bit. Right. Sand was, wouldn't break down. It doesn't, it doesn't have the same sound. No, but Too I wonder if it's- It's trial and error, they discovered yeah, they coffee grounds. Do you think it's instant? Or, you know, like fresh no. ground beans? I think. I would say the beans, seems like the if it was instant, instant they would wouldn't be, be called grounds. Yeah, I guess so. Plus it's too crunchy, probably. Are they, well, are they fresh ground coffee or has it been coffee that's been brewed? Already steeped, Yeah. post-steeped coffee. I don't know. We need to ask this Foley guy. Do they still let you do that at Disney World? Make the sound effects for the movies? I don't know. I vaguely remember something like that. That one was always, time. and they did things like that. They had I don't know if it was coffee grounds, but they had like you would put items into sand or rocks and pebbles, yeah. and yeah, it was fascinating. It is fascinating. Sound design is just an art to the extreme, underappreciated art. Mm. Yeah, well, that's why, well, again, by design almost, right? Because if you notice it... Right, then it sucks. Then it sucks. Right. That's exactly right. We saw them do that, too, at um, Prairie Home Companion. When you see that performed live, and you see the sound effect guy. Right. He, he yeah, does yeah. amazing things, the sound effect guy for well, Prairie Home Companion. Yeah. Well, and they do it all live, also. Right. Right, so it's two layers of complexity. And he has a little... Uh, keyboard almost with different sections in it with different you know he has spoons in one section and seashells in another and whatever sand and yeah yeah just like a like yeah like a long table of little compartments of different things yeah and he, and he can he, just run from one to the other as he needs it he gets gives it some texture gives the whole thing some yeah. texture but he also doesn't have to sync it visually perfectly right so that's a little so he get he gets major kudos for having to do it live, but his points not cool, but points detracted because he doesn't have to m- match it visually yeah. in sync. Well, it's not fully right. It's it's more like a sound effect. It's sound effects. It's not yeah. fully exactly. Right. Yes. I was still impressed. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's impressive. Definitely. But don't you go. Uh, Telling some Foley artist that, you know, the the awesome Foley guy on 
prairie home companion, you know. You make an enemy for life. I'll be wary. Yeah, just watch out for it. There's not too many of these guys, Foley artists. I think he mentions it in the article. There's like 400 Foley artists in the world. They must have a lot of work then. Every movie, every footstep you see. All right, but I wonder how long it takes. He talked about that a little bit. Depends on the complexity of the movie. It could take a week. There's sometimes there are two months. Just all day recording sounds. Crazy. More sound design. The at the climax of this scene where Walter is pointing the uh, 1911, the M1911 into Smokey's face. They have the, the monks playing in the background, obviously, and they have it timed out pretty perfectly so that that moment where you just see, it's a side shot, and you just see Walter pointing the gun in his face. They have it timed out for that part of the monk song where they're not singing anymore. And that kind of ratchets up the tension a little bit, I think. You think? I think. It ratchets up the tension because now, you know, we're not listening to any lyrics of the song, so there's nothing going right. on there. There's nothing to distract us from being locked in on what's happening True. right now between Walter and Smokey. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that I've ever heard this song before. I mean, I'm sure unconsciously it's there, but I've never consciously was aware of this song. You mean just watching the movie? Watching the movie. Yeah, I Because when I first heard the, the soundtrack and the song was there, I was like, where, where is this? I've never heard this song before. Right, right. Where is this in the movie? And then I notice it watching this minute. The second this minute starts, the scene starts. I'm like, oh, there's that song. And because I know it now in my brain... Like, immediately I recognize it and I latch into it. Yeah, I Just do like too now. Just like if Call Me Maybe was in the background or something. But right. I'd be like, oh, that song, right? But if it's just, I like, guess, just generic music, it, you know, that's just all it was before, just generic music. I never even really attempt, my brain never attempted to really, like, comprehend it at all. No, me either. It's exactly how I experienced it, too. It's as if they had just tuned the radio in the bowling alley to a random station and just had whatever playing. When in actuality, this is, a, I guess, what amounts to a pretty famous piece of music, at least from a cult perspective. Right. It's the kind of thing you'd never find on the radio station. Ever. But would be, yeah, if you are T-Bone Burnett or uh, Jimmy Dale... Gilmore. Gilmore. You, you might know about it because you're into more obscure and I don't know. Is this band historically significant? Perhaps? Or if nothing else, their curiosity. Yeah, historically significant? I don't know. I don't know about that. I guess it depends on how you... I guess I don't mean historically significant in that they had an impact on history or that they, they changed generations music, of music. But I guess musicians. they came come from like we said last week, like they come from just such a certain point in history. 
right? Like, they capture, I think, this unique piece of American sentiment. Yeah. You know, the GI stationed in Germany in the late 60s while the Vietnam War was going on. Chanting over repetitive guitar chords. Right. Chanting, I hate you. Right. Again and again. (laughs) Yeah, their music... That's worth, you know, something. That's worth a chapter in a book somewhere. Yeah. Without a doubt. You know, it's not the whole book. No. It's got a nice, nice chapter, though. Yeah, the the monks. They, um... (laughs) Some of it is kind of dopey. I'm just going to say that. Yes. They're, uh, they're shtick for lack of a better word. I find it's a little... It's kind of like stream of consciousness, the lyrics, if you want to call them that. Sure. Higgle die, Um, piggle die. Were you listening to that? I don't know if I listened to that one. Okay. I was listening to it at work, so it was on, and I'd kind of fade in and out of, like, paying attention to it. But, yeah, it's like, oh, okay, you can stop doing that now. But it's definitely, you know, occupies its own space. Yeah. I mean, I think there's space in my life for that album. I agree. It may not be an everyday thing, but I could definitely... I think there's the right time when that's the appropriate music to put on. I'd agree. I'd agree with that. And maybe I skip some of the songs. But maybe not. Maybe I come to love... Maybe I come to celebrate their entire catalog. I think after a while, again, you just have to, you know, listen to it several times and your brain can start to, like, comprehend it more. For lack of a better word. It just becomes comprehension. Musical comprehension. There's been albums that I've listened to. Like, there'll be an artist I, I really like. And then a new album comes out and I listen to it. And I'm like, oh, this is, like almost unlistenable yeah. or even completely unlistenable like what happened and then I'll return to it months later listen to it a couple more times and then all of a sudden like love it that, that has to happened to me on more than one occasion me too that happened to me not too long ago maybe a couple years ago at this point with an entire band it happened to me with Stereo Lab. so I didn't had a album or two I don't even know why I had more than one but I listen to Stereo Lab and it's just like I don't I don't understand what they're doing and I just didn't like it I was like what it occurred to me well I don't have to listen to it don't listen to it perfect and I didn't listen to it for like 10 years literally like a decade and then I put it on randomly or maybe it came on Pandora like a song and I was like, oh my goodness, this is awesome. I love this now. You simply were not ready for Stereo Lab. I wasn't. I wasn't. You had to be prepared. Yeah. Stereo Lab does not come to you. You must go to the Stereo Lab. <laughs> Wise words. Wise words. But it took a while. It had to percolate in there. There was a long gestation period. But when it was ready, it was ready. I love it now. Can't get enough. Sound. 
one more sound note? No, that's a lie. Two more sound notes. Thurston, the Yorkshire Terrier. Yes. We talked about his, his grumblings, but his, his mood or temperament is in sync with Walter. Walter comes in, lets him out. He's just kind of boop, 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 bopsing around, doot, doot, doot. Walter starts getting agitated. Thurston starts getting agitated. Walter's pointing the gun and on the verge of shooting Smokey in the face. And Thurston now is freaking out too. He's jumping up, he's barking, rah, 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 jumping, 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 which I think also increases the tension because you're afraid like it's gonna like startle Walter into right. accidentally pulling the trigger. Right. You know, it's just another. Or you're, yeah. Or you're on the edge of your seat almost. Is he going to shoot the guy? And then having this dog with each bark, it's almost like, oh, it's not like, is a gun going off? Like this loud noise. Without a doubt, it raises the tension. I feel like this is a device I've seen used in a lot of other movies, although I can only think off the top of my head of one other. I know exactly what one something. it's going to be. I bet you do. But Alfred so, Molina. Yeah, you got it. Yep. Exactly. So before we get into maybe talk about that, I mean, I just want to say that I think. The whole reason the dog is in this scene is so he could be doing that. Yeah, like They probably. may have run through this scene without the dog. Even if it was only like in storyboards or in their heads. And like, okay, well, what do you do to ratchet this up? Well, we need a dog. You know, we need something, right? Oh, if a little dog is yipping at his feet the whole time, jumping up at him, barking. Right, right like, what if he yeah. nipped him on the calf or something? Like, ow! And you know, you squeeze exactly. the trigger accidentally. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, and the Alfred Molina scene that you're talking about from from Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights. Yeah, that. Oh, that horrible. That they and these movies came out around the same time too. Yes. So but, the Boogie Nights scene, just to explain for the uninitiated. Yes, oh my goodness. Very briefly, there is a scene where the characters from Boogie Nights. That's a strange way to describe them. I mean, that is a strange they, way. The main, they're like the principal characters. These are like the heroes, right? This is Dirk Diggler and Chest Rockwell, I think. Yes, yes both of them, it. and maybe someone else was even there, I think. And they're in this like drug dealer's house. They're like trying to get money or ask him for a favor, and he's. They're in, doing. They're. It's a drug deal, but the they have fake. They used like powdered sugar for the cocaine. Right, yeah. So it's yeah, like, this is going to go bad. Right. And Alfred Molina is there, plays the drug dealer guy, who's like in like Speedos and a silk robe, <laughs> lounging about. But he has like a gun. Like a gun is like tucked into his Speedos or something <laughs> like that. And he is waving the gun around. And you're just waiting for him to a and you know, just accidentally shoot someone in the face. Right. Pretty much. Which he and might do anyway, just for... Fun. Right, which he might just do because insane. he's just kind of coked up and he's waving the gun around. And at the same time, like, I don't remember the exact scene. Like, does he start getting angry because he starts to suspect things or not? I mean... No, no, but, he's got a heavily armed bodyguard who's over there examining their powdered sugar. And it's right. like, you realize soon he's going to realize this is not cocaine. <laughs> Alfred Molina is all coked out of his mind, just wanting to listen to music. He's got Jesse's girl playing right. on there. Yeah, yeah. Jesse's girl. And then he's got like like a 
I don't even know uh, how you would describe this guy. It's uh, like a little Asian fella <laughs> who's just lighting firecrackers. Yeah. Uh, with a candle. So they'll light them and they'll just throw it into the room. Right. Just some Bam! other coked up hedonist. Right. Like just amusing himself by throwing firecrackers into the living room. <laughs> Exploding. So the whole time this is going on, all this tension, the whole time it's just like... <laughs> Like, it's going on. The most horrible, like, you want to leave the theater, you cannot take the tension. <laughs> and they're all huddled up on the couch, all three of them together. Right, right. Every yeah. time one of these things explodes, they all jump out on their skins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's that, you know, it's kind of like staccato. Like, boom. Boom, which oddly releases tension. But then during the void, it increases exponentially like a like a stair step pattern. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> ah. I, that's a good that's a good one. I like the uh, that connection because that I think you're right. That's why the dog is in there. Yeah, I have to say, Boogie Nights sounds like they may have done it a little bit more effectively. Well, I don't know if effectively they definitely went over the top with it. Right, like this scene is not to that level. I don't think they wanted it to ratchet to that level where you actually might want to leave the theater from no. the tension. That's this is just like Walter's got a bit of a short fuse. That's yeah. the only. But the scene in Boogie Nights, it's like that's climax. That's probably the. Yeah, it's toward the end of the film. Well, I guess the difference is in one place they actually might die. You know, yeah. I don't think they want you to think that Walter's actually going to shoot this man in the face for maybe, real. Maybe accidentally. But right. I mean, maybe. I mean, he's that the trigger is or the like, hammer is cocked. Yeah, like something could happen. Like yeah. again, so again, another play, another film reference is Pulp Fiction, where in the one act, you know, um, John Travolta and Sam Jackson are arguing about whether or not it's a miracle, right? That they missed, and then you know. I guess I forget who it was actually had the gun in their hand was it John Travolta John Travolta turns around and is like well what do you think you have to have an opinion talking to the guy behind right. him and like they go over a bump right. and all of a sudden poof, the gun goes off <laughs> blows the guy's brains completely mm-hmm. over the entire backseat of the car right. right back windshield like startling like it's a jovial kind of funny scene <laughs> Oh, these right. hitmen arguing about whether or not, like, you know, Jesus actually came down and stopped the bullets. Then all of a sudden they hit a bump and poof, the, the kid's head. <laughs> yeah. Horrible, Terrible. right? So, like, Terrible. this scene, watching it for the, you don't know, it, they could go through some kind of reversal, right? Where like, I don't think you think he's going to actually shoot, but some all of a sudden, you know, this movie could go south. Like you said, all of a sudden the dog nips his calf and the, he squeezes the trigger a little, like, right. yeah. All of a sudden, this is where this movie is going now. Because at this right. point, you really, you know, we're at movie 18 or mo- or minute uh, 19 here. We don't know yeah, we- yet what really this movie is even about. Like, there was a rug pisser and he took a rug from this rich guy in a wheelchair. I don't even know what act we're in. There's, uh, yeah, people's heads getting shoved in toilets and... yeah. So it does have some kind of crime element, yeah, with the thugs. Like, there could be some serious violence at some point. There's a nihilist, you know, you haven't heard of a nihilist before you've seen this movie. You don't even know what that is. What are they up to? Besides floating in a pool, they could be anything. You don't know what you're in for. Exactly right. 
He could shoot the dog. You know, who knows what's going to happen here? And so if I could go back a little bit, you know, Donnie kind of knows what's going on. We talked yeah, last time about right. his, um, his, his, expressions. Uh, his expressions, expressions, you know, slowly, es- slowly escalating expressions back there. And when, he, when you know, again, so watching at this minute, when Walter pulls out the gun, the gun makes its first appearance. Uh, Steve Buscemi, Buscemi, Stevie B. His face is is priceless. Once again, eyes get wide. Yeah, oh. It kind of starts for a second like, oh, wait, no, that's not happening. Then his eyes are like, oh, here is. And then he's gone. Yeah, he gets up out of his chair and leaves the yeah, frame. Yeah, you just see him. He leaves the frame. Not only that, but remember our two background extras back there? Yep. And the one guy was displeased with his gesturing towards the right. lanes. Those two fellas hightail it out of there too yeah they take a little longer than donnie a little bit they're farther away yeah donnie's more into it the gun is not you know walter hasn't stood up yet right it's like once walter stands up and starts yelling it's like pretty much the place clears out well and that's interesting he shuts down a good portion of the bowling alley with his antics with this gun but only about half of it when they cut to you can see in one of the shots uh, maybe behind Smokey, I guess. I have a timestamp for this. But you can also hear that bowling is continuing to go on. Well, it's a, it's a league play. So he, he does shut down some, there and in it fact, is again. you can see. What in, does. Sorry, go In on. the side shot, where it's the. Just after he says. They're calling the cops, man, put the piece away. And he points it right at his face. It's at 1832. 1832, Smokey leans down to actually mark it zero. Actually, so 1836, we can see a guy who's actually run out onto the lane a little bit. He's backed himself against the wall watching this. Yeah, yes. Well, he's, he's upset as well. Yeah, Donnie's climbed up onto one of the tables. Yeah. Like, come on, Smokey, what are you doing, man? You should know better. Yeah, it's interesting that Donnie, he just, like, yeah, he moves away, but he only moves, like, four feet away. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. And actually, like, more into the path of where the bullet might end up. True. You know, stay behind him. It's as if he can't go past that row of seats there. Well, maybe he's just too petrified to have to actually, you know, navigate them. Yeah, I think he just wanted to... Again, talk about he doesn't want to be that much in front of Walter. Because he'd have to go more toward the front of the bowling alley to get past those seats. And the more close you go to the front, the more you're in the the theoretical line of fire. Yeah. Sorry, I couldn't contain myself a minute ago. Brad was looking at the minute, and the dude, like, hands something to the bowler. Right, right, to Smokey. To Smokey. And what is he handing to him? It's the marker, so he can mark it zero. Oh, okay. But that's also interesting. Again, that's something I never really paid attention to until this minute was how. So, one, before that happens, like, Walter is, is yelling, and the dude 
He takes both has, of his hands and well, yeah. his... Well, before that, the dude has the, the, the marker and he's just kind of waving it. He's kind of like... Now, yeah. He's like, Smokey, Take here it marker. is. Take the marker. Take the marker. Just mark, mark it zero. It down, dummy. I, yes. It's just a game, you know, right, <laughs> doing right. that. And then finally Do goes, you like to be alive? Please take the marker and mark it zero. And then he takes both of his hands and yeah. his and clasps his hands like take. Well, it. it's like a thing. I mean, I and I'm watching it again to try to figure out. Like I think it's both the it's both the dude and Smokey clasping hands. Well, they're both so rattled. Because I'm trying to figure out, is it that Smokey's too rattled or the dude's too rattled? It's really like both of them. Like, they're just trying to meet up in space, like hand off this marker without dropping it. And, like, they can't. Like, it requires all four of their hands together clasping. Like, let me hold your hands still. Let me hold yours still while we slowly pass the marker. Like, no you know. sudden movements. Yeah, exactly. No sudden movements. Here we I go. I wouldn't even say it's slow. It's just everybody's it's not, shaking yeah, so much. Yeah, it's deliberate. It's yeah. deliberate. Yeah, it's very deliberate, and everyone's shaking, and it is definitely like a kind of like a relief. Like, like. Well, and they don't okay, have eyes I, I, on each other. Hold your yeah, exactly. It's grasping well, with eyes on Walter. Yeah. Smokey They're is like, transfixed like a deer in the yeah. headlights. He's got He's maniac Walter out a, pointing a gun mm-hmm. right in his face. Yeah, and he's got his eyes on Walter, and he's just grasping wildly for the marker with his hands, groping for his hands. You're not going to take your eyes off of what's (laughs) going on in front of you right now. You can't be looking around. These are the things that are most important right now, is the firearm pointed in your face. You're not going to, you can't look away. And then they like cling to each other for that moment. Yeah, for that moment, I think of that physical connection. There is more than just like I've handed you the marker. There is this kind of like, and maybe it's even just immediately afterwards. It's kind of like okay, like we've done this. He's gonna mark it zero, like like where we will live. Kind of a, a moment to it. It's almost like a blessing the dude is giving him. Yeah. He's like putting his hands over his in this blessing. Bless yeah, he, you, my child. You have chosen the path <laughs> of life. And not just for yourself, but for my friend Walter as well, because he's not going to have to go to jail for manslaughter now. Right. Uh, you know, be murder one. I don't think there's any manslaughtering about it. I'm not sure I even know the differences. I, I don't know. Manslaughter could be an accident. Right? Yeah, it's intent. Oh, okay. I see. So, yeah, a man just happened to be slaughtered (laughs) is kind of the implication there. I don't like the word slaughter. (laughs) No, it's a horrible, horrible word. Especially when you put it with, you make a new word out of it. Yeah. And and the the word you add to the bad word slaughter is the word man. Yeah. Man slaughter. Slaughter. Man's right now the worst word I can think of. We have pig slaughter. We have cow slaughter. We have... Man but those slaughter. are two words, though. Yeah. There's no word at cow slaughter. But even if there was, I mean, that in itself, yeah. That's, a, that's bad, too. But not as bad as man manslaughter. Slaughter. Slaughter. S-L-O-T-T-E-R. Exactly. Think about it like you're someone who creates slots in things. <laughs> in men, theoretically. Right. <laughs> I'm going to add a bunch of slots to, to, to Smokey with my gun. 
Yeah. Or maybe just one giant slot. <laughs> one giant slot through his face. <laughs> yeah. And then manslaughter. Walter sits down and kind of almost slaughterhouse. Almost by way of apology. It's like his own way of saying it. He just simply goes, it's a league game, Smokey. <laughs> like, you know, you have to understand. That makes it okay. We're all men here. Yeah, this is just water on the bridge. It's, it's a league game. In Walter's world, then, it wouldn't be too far out of the realm of possibility for Smokey to hear him say that and come to the realization that Oh, yeah, no, you were right. Yeah. This was this has all been perfectly justified now. Right. And you know, along with Walter's character, and this is something we see him do multiple times throughout the film, you know, by the time you know, when we next see Walter, you know, it cuts to them walking outside. And Walter's perfectly fine. Perfectly like, calm. He doesn't even understand, you know, the dude's talking about him like you know, the dude's saying like, you know, you can't do that kind of stuff and Walter like he doesn't even really understand like that there's an issue he's yeah. like you know this doesn't even get it like doesn't understand I accomplished my goal what's the problem yeah well it's not even like I accomplished my goal it's just like yeah it's well, what? living some life what yeah. are you talking about what do you mean it's, it's what happens we were, we were just having a game of bowling <laughs> just your normal game of bowling well, what to, do you mean I had to talk to Smokey for a minute that's all yeah, yeah. I had to explain the rules Right. You know? All right. Had to explain the rules. Smokey understood what I was saying, and we just <laughs> went on. Like, yeah. He's not even really having the same conversation. No. No, not at all. It's like, you don't get it. You can't. You don't understand. You can't do these things. Smokey's a pacifist. <laughs> I myself dabbled in pacifism for a while. Walter's volume is set a little different from the rest of ours. He's just set a little bit louder. When he speaks, his dialogue is... Mm-hmm. Just his, his demeanor. Yeah, he just doesn't realize that he's speaking loud, more loudly than the rest of us. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a boisterous lot, yeah. that Walter. Well, and he, he projects himself. Like, he wants to, you know, he will be heard and understood. He's that type of a person. He's not going to, like, swallow his words or, you know, hem and haw around an issue. I He's going to be direct. Loud and direct. Speaking of loudness... He's going to come in loud and clear. You're going to get my signal. I could talk about the sound in this minute for hours. Maybe I already have. Another fine bit of editing, they overlap the sound between the interior. So when we change from the interior of the bowling alley and now we're outside looking at the dude and Walter walking to his car. Before we cut to the shot outside the bowling alley, we are still inside now. We're looking at the dude and Walter. He says, this is a league game. We hear the dude start speaking from outside. So we're seeing the dude inside, and for maybe 20 frames, we are hearing him in the next scene speaking to Walter before we cut to it. And there's a name for that. It's called an L-cut. Because if you look at it on 
like a timeline of a nonlinear editor, it is, you know, shape of an L. So in other words, the sound um, extends, overlaps the picture. So if you look at that, it's like, oh, there's an L. So if you think about an L. Right. And it just helps for, uh, it just helps finesse that edit. It's not as jarring. But they had L cuts before non-linear editing, did they not? Sure, sure. Did they but call it's, them L cuts then? Maybe it looks like an L cut even if you're cutting yeah. actual film. Well, well, probably. That's what a... It somehow looks like an L. Non-linear editor is just based off of, I guess conceptually, same idea. You know, you're laying one piece, right. the tool still looks like a razor, you cut it, you know. Click, now I've cut it. I have two pieces. So yeah, you would just the sound would run uh, to one side or other of that splice splice point. Splice. Splice. That's a better word than slaughter. I know man splicing. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Hmm. Yeah. I'm fine with some man splicing. Man slaughter. No. It could could be an improvement. Depends on what parts you're splicing. And the panting. Thurston's panting outside. Have you listened to that? Treat no. yourself to some of that. All right. I can't get enough of this Thurston. It's a league game, Smokey. All right, here we're listening now. Smokey was a conscientious objector. You know, dude, I myself dabbled in pacifism at one point. Not in Nam, of course. Oh, yeah, there's some panting, yep. You know, dude, I myself dabbled in pacifism at one point. But they, they come through so sharply. Like, <laughs> like it's right, he's like, panting like right in your ear like he's nuzzling up to your ear hole just like right <clears throat> like they popping so it's through the way so here's a question you know if i knew any foley artist i'd ask but you know i'm imagining again they were made this dog panting sound somehow either from an actual dog or from mimicking it you know the same got mumbled stew 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 was what did the mumbling but he's a pretty good panter but again you know, they're in this sound stage, this sound room with this perfect mic panting directly into it. And then they just mix that in. Like every sound, in essence, is so distinct. It's pristine. Pristine. Yeah. And like, does that somehow, which allows you then, like, you know, listening to this movie, I can just focus in if I really want to, put the headphones on and focus in on that dog panting and just. There's just such incredible fidelity to the sound of the dog pant. Yeah, no, that, that's what it is. But is it unrealistic somehow? I, it is. I mean, it's that seems like something you should, you know, sure, start clean, but then there's ways to dirty it up. Right. Like yeah. if I actually was in a parking lot and closed my eyes and was trying to hear the panting of a dog <laughs> that was a certain distance away, like it wouldn't sound like exactly as if the dog is panting into my directly into my ear canal, but just quieter. <laughs> right, it's a different quality to the sound. It's weird. But you would think, you know, they have a whole sound stage, you place the dog farther away, or you know, right. and get that, like more reflections, or something, or, or you lack know, of reflections. Or is there just like a library at this point of like, oh, it's dog, you know, dog panting? I think mostly not. I think mostly not. That's why there are Foley artists. 
I think they go to a library once in a while, but this is a Yorkshire Terrier. It probably right. it has to sound like a Yorkshire Terrier, you know. It's not just like, there's a dog somewhere in this environment. No, we see it, you know, it's, it's a character. So probably recorded it. My money's on the Foley artist was doing some work here. But yeah, the panting is like, weird. They should have got you instead of Stu. No, Stu, Stu's alright. I'm yeah, not. You, know, you wouldn't have done the mumbling. I wouldn't have done the mumbling. Why did they leave that mumbling in? I don't know if they left it in. They put it in. It's worse than that. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a little past this minute, but do you know that they never let the stupid dog in the car? Um, that is past this minute. I was saving that, and I... Ha yeah, we definitely need to discuss that in more detail, but that's going to be next episode. That's so, a preview. Just a little teaser. We don't have to discuss it, but I, th I think right at the end of this minute, actually, you can see, maybe this isn't cheating, you can see past the dude kind of through the windshield. Uh, it's right at 19. No, never mind. We can't go there. It's next minute. Next yeah, it's minute. next minute. I don't think they leave the dog behind, but it's certainly not clear. Definitely not clear. I mean, at least he doesn't leave the carrier on the roof. <laughs> right. And Donnie doesn't leave with the dude and Walter, if you'll notice. No. So maybe he didn't want to be associated with them too much right at the moment? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe he's giving a statement to police. Could be that. Maybe he's just practicing bowling and that's why he's so good. He practices more. I feel like Donnie's a pretty well-respected guy in this alley. Like people like him. So Adam. Christine. I had two cents worth on Donnie's character from listening to prior episodes, but before what you, I- What you got? Lay it on me. Before I put them in, I just wanted to Make sure I was clear on what your two cents were. Wait, where are you going to put them? Are you going to put them into the man slots? Uh, Whatever you do, do not create a slot. Don't, okay. don't make any new slots, all right? Just use existing ones. All right. I don't know how to answer that. Um, well, well. So, but I just want to, I don't, I don't want to mischaracterize what I think your characterization is. So I don't want to speak for you. Well, what do you mean by that? Am I correct in my understanding that you portrayed Donnie in previous episodes as a Microsoft um, millionaire who was respected by his peers or something along those lines? Not exactly. I. I was trying to, I'm not married to any of these ideas, but I just kind of rolled it out there that Donnie was probably like, like the IT, working in the IT department. Okay. What okay. would be the equivalent of working in the IT department of a company now? But then okay. I kind of like, I don't know, what, what would an IT department look like in 1991? I don't even know. Like they just got email or something and he was like kind of a rock star because right. he knew how to like, Get your email going. Look, you can send messages to something, you know. But well, get new computers. Make sure they right, have the right computers. version of Microsoft Office on them. Right. 
Because... Use a little spray can to clear the dust out of the disk drive. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because this has just been something that's been under my craw that I wanted to put out there because as far as I'm concerned, it's pretty clear that Donnie's just a 7-Eleven employee. Or maybe a Domino's pickup delivery guy. See, I was giving him more credit than that. Yeah, because you definitely he, were giving him a lot more credit than that. I wasn't saying he's any kind of millionaire or anything like that. I just picture him having a very like commonplace, uh, sort of like office, like kind of lowly office job. Boring pocket protector in his pocket mm. kind of thing. Yeah, I could maybe give him as much as like Office Max. <laughs> Or maybe, staples. Sure, staples. maybe I I get down with that. Do you uh, think he'd be in retail? I mean, I think he's a. I mean, I think what we're maybe going for converging on is maybe what I would call like a corporate drone. Yeah, corporate drone. But corporate is probably too much. Yeah, it's not exactly. corporate. I he, wouldn't even go that. A far. corporate drone probably wears like might wear a tie or something. Like he's more in the realm no, he of. He definitely has a name tag. Yeah, I would say now that I think about it, like an yeah, I think that was right, like an office, office max. max. I can get behind. That's that. like them. It's kind of like it, it straddles those two divides, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's I like can a, get like a that. little. It's more than. All right, I just like to get working that out. in a convenience market. Yeah, it's more than. Yeah, it's bringing up people's slurpees, at right. you know during the end times. All right, all right, I can. But go he's with not that. a full-on corporate. Yeah, I couldn't. Like, I couldn't let him be. I couldn't let it go on with him being a Microsoft millionaire, and that's what, no. I thought, that's what I thought you had said. No, just like he's got a mundane job, but the the point I was making, I guess, is that he has a fairly normal job. The dude doesn't have a job. Right. Oh, Walter he's, runs he's, his own Cracker Jack right. security he's, company, you know? He's miles beyond the dude for sure. And he's the only one who actually has, like, money in his pocket. Like he's got like twenty some bucks. The dude has like two dollars and a nickel, you know. Right. So yeah. it's like, I don't know. He just seems he's a little more together, yeah, so obviously than the dude. And maybe somewhere between Domino's and Office Max. I think off Office Closer Max. Closer to Office Max, we'll give him that. Yes. All right. Yes. I'll, all right. I'll, I'll give him Office Max. He can have that. Maybe. I okay. mean, maybe J C Penny. Mmm. I can't go that far. All right. I can't give him that. Right. Walter, or Donnie just seems more attuned to Office Max because you can kind of be kind of dorky. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. JCPenney's, you're more like, because you're selling clothes there. You're, I don't know, you'd have to have some, like, sense of fashion or Yeah, you are pretty hip something. if you're working at JCPenney. Yeah, for Donnie's world, yeah. Especially in uh, 1991. Yes. Yeah, so I just had to get that out. So thank you for letting me get that out. I'm glad we could clear the air on that one. Yeah, I feel you a lot know, better now. Thank you. We can't have the, we can't drag this negative energy into future episodes. No, I feel the great burden has been lifted. I really thank, do. Thank goodness. Well, reflective surfaces. I've only got one. Try as I might, looking in Walter's glasses, I couldn't see anything there. But. Our two background extras in the back, who, when Walter stands up with the gun, they hightail it out of Dodge there. Yes. When we cut back to Walter again, we can see them in the reflection. We don't see them on screen, but we see their reflection, and they're still moving away. So a little bit of, like, 
good reflection continuity action there. You can't even really tell if it's them, but it's like you kind of see two figures moving away. In the reflection of what? Oh, I'm sorry, the trophy case. Is it a trophy oh, case I just saw there? it. So you can still see yep, them running away. Although it seems like it almost doesn't match. Like, in the first shot with them moving away, you can see their reflection. They're almost past the trophy case. Then it cuts back, and they're like ha only halfway across the case. I mean, it could just be other people in the alley all hightailing it out. Right, but they're moving around. But you're right. It's a, it's a good uh, reflection. Didn't have to have it in there. And then speaking of background, so... Joel and Ethan are concentrating on the foreground. They're doing a lot of talking to Jeff Bridges, Jimmy Dale Gilmore, John Goodman, um, Steve Buscemi, possibly Thurston. You know, they're interacting with the, This is the focus of the movie. So it's the most important thing. That's who they're spending their time with. There's a first assistant director, and depending on the scope of your movie and the budget of your movie, there's also a second assistant director, who the F knows, probably third assistant director. And the first AD or second AD, it's one of their jobs to direct the background. So then, you know, it's like down the totem pole. So then they gotta go talk to the two guys back there. So, you know, they're blocking it out. It's like, okay, guys, you're not that animated. You are just, so why don't you be a little irritated about something that's going on out in the lanes, all right? And you're just kind of nodding and appeasing him. Now, when John stands up, I want you guys to immediately see it. And that's like, that's their job. That's what they do. It's like the poor man's directing. Right. It's a whole thing, you know, and it's one of those layers, one of those layers that you put on a movie, just another bit of texture that helps sell this reality. Because, you know, people walking around back there without any direction, like it can start to look contrived, weird somehow. So that's somebody's job. So when someone's an assistant director, are they like on their way to becoming a director? Or is it like once you've been relegated to assistant director, that's kind of where you're stuck and you're never going to be a real director? Everybody it, wants to be a director. Why not or is it just an assistant to? director is maybe a separate skill, like directing background right, that's people, what I'm, that's what like I'm that's what you at. specialize in. Like, you know, just like you could be a Foley artist. And it's like if you once could be you, this background director. Once you've done that job, oh, you're never going to be a real director now. Cause well, you're I'm not now. saying, I mean, I'm no. trying to say it without that, like, oh, you'll never be a real director, quote what? unquote. Because, I mean, I'm just saying, I think it's... More. I mean, I, I like to think of it. Maybe I'm just feeling sorry for the assistant directors that wish they were directors. But, you know, like, that's its own. That's your own. That's just a separate skill. Right. Well, that's what I'm asking. Is that the way it is? Is it like you're one or you're the other? I think that if I was to hazard a guess, I'd say 90% or more of assistant directors are aspiring to be okay. directors. And it's like... So it doesn't doom you no, to do and, that. Right, it's not like, yeah. I don't think you get typecast right. as an assistant director. Like, But as I agree with you, Brad, it's a completely 
not a completely separate skill. It is a separate skill. You have to do, I, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about, but you have to do more like management stuff, I think. Like people come to you, they have questions for the director. You, you don't talk to the director, you talk to the assistant director, you know, and then right. he gauges the importance of your request or what have you, and then he relays those things to the director. So that's a separate skill either. You're doing a lot of like um, personnel management or something, mm -hmm. expectation management. Whereas the director, you're focused on story and character. Now are there, that's not to say that there's probably some assistant directors that like, yeah, this is my career, I like it. Well, I like yeah, doing if this. that's all they wanted. I just wondered if it, if it was like some sort of a, like a, a what do they call that? A glass ceiling there? I don't think so. Mm -hmm. I don't think so. Because some, you know, some people maybe don't want to direct. There's a lot of stress. Right. There's a lot of pressure. Yeah. That's me. I'd never want to be the head boss. I'd always want to have somebody else. Let them get all the, the guff. Yeah. What else we got? Anybody got anything? I'm tapped out. I think me too. I think I am too. I mean, we're clocking in under two hours, so. That's an achievement. We are achievers. I'm happy. I've got, I say it every, every time, but I've got, I made some actual progress on some of the special features that are coming down the pike. Wonderful. So sooner rather than later, one thing I want to mention, and I don't, I don't necessarily like like time stamping these episodes, like date stamping them by referencing current events too much because, you know, sometimes it takes us seven months to post an episode. But I want to say that today is, well, still March 5th, but it's almost March 6th. And March 6th is, I don't even know what it's called now. It's Dude Day. Day of the Dude. Day of the Dude. T tomorrow, March 6th, is Day of the Dude. I put a link in there. I linked to dudespaper.com. The first Day of the Dude was March 6th, 2010. They settled on March 6th because that was the date that the Big Lebowski was released in 1998. Oh, okay. They thought about doing September 11th. That's what he writes on the check, but right. that, that has other connotations. It does. It's kind of not worthy putting that in there. Although, mm, no. yeah. you know, in some ways, you start down the path to hearing. And, and was that our celebratory sound effect? Yes. Yes, it was. That was excellent. You're welcome. I Thank had a, you. I've been waiting for an hour and 15 minutes to whip it out. That was significant. That was yeah. really something. You're welcome. Thank you. Nope. That nope. is customary on Day of the Dude is to run your blender. Oh, I thought it was a drill. To help. I don't know. Maybe you, there's like a blended version of, the, of a white Russian that you could have on Day of the <laughs> yeah, Dude. Perfect. There is. There is. That's it. You've, you've nailed it. Brilliant. Well, um, so I don't know how you celebrate. They have some suggestions on there if you want to check it out.
but it's just nice to know there is a day of the dude. Yeah, it's just good to know that that's out there. Yep. That day is out there. Taking her easy. Yep. Have a nice, uh, what day is this? They have a little logo. That's the dude's caricature of his face. Okay, folks. It's been a fantastic time, as always. I'm Adam. And I'm Brad. Christine, thank you for joining us. Anytime. A true pleasure. Can I say it? I'd be I delighted. I would. I'd be delighted. I oh. can't speak for Brad, but I'd be delighted. Go for it, please. Oh, yes. I always wanted to do this. Are you guys ready? I'm always ready. All right, here For it what? Goes. What am I ready for? Next time on Gutter Balls. Come on, you are. Thank you.